0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Shalom and welcome to Practical Spirituality here in Asia, Torah, overlooking the Temple Mount. And today's discussion is about... I don't even know. We'll take it first with a bracha. Baruch What's on my mind is... is um, identity theft. That's really what's on my mind. So I'd like to talk a little bit about identity theft. Um, it's all under a title that I call God hates religion. And the reason is because they usually, you know, throughout human history, they've left it to religions to say who God is or what God's about and all that stuff. And, um, and religions have done a, a horrible job at, at portraying the Creator, and uh, I would say Jews have done better, but they've but plenty of of uh, rabbis and institutions and Jewish movements have also have also done a lousy job in portraying who God is, and so ultimately God hates religion. God hates religion. And not to mention all the the horrific things that people have done when they've had their minds calcify around religious beliefs and dogmas and stuff and the trail of tears and and suffering and, and death. Loss that uh, that our planet's gone through in the name of religion—I'm sure God doesn't like that very much. But we're not focused on that. What we're focused on is identity theft. It'd be like you pulling into your Facebook or Snapchat or uh, Instagram account and find out someone's taking it over, and they're just like going crazy on your account. And uh, you know that would not be cool at all. You'd freak and and imagine not being able to do anything about it because you know God gives free will, and He even gives so much free will that you can make a whole you know make a whole narrative about who God is and no one's going to stop you and human beings are are so weak and insecure that they tend to rally around religions and uh, and which often brings hatred of the other which is automatically the second you the second you feel negative feelings about another person, you know you're not spiritual. Like, you just failed the first question. <laughs> like, the very first question of someone who's, like, approaching spirituality is you start to sense a universality amongst all mankind. Like, you start to feel at one, not only with one another, you feel at one with nature, with, with animals, with birds, with, you know, you're, you're... When you become spiritual, like, the first box you check is a box of... Commonality amongst us, you know that's that's a natural, and the yet you see that most religions have the exact opposite thing happen. They they posture themselves around around you know their the you know this whole worldview they have, and and in the end they uh, they wind up vilifying the other, and the other becomes. It's almost like this if you guys can put on your like really diffuse minds for a second it's almost like this do you realize that you can actually create an identity for yourself out of what you don't do can you imagine such a thing like an identity out of what you're not so i'm not that and i'm not that and i'm not like them and i'm not like them and i don't do that and i don't do that and and you create all the things you don't do and now as as if now you have an identity because all that's left after the million things that you are not is no one you know, you you'll, you'll wind up. With, you're a, you're a nobody. You're just a, an expert of who you're not. And so, the this kind of crowding around being somebody and not being them and not the infidel, you know, is uh, is just the it's it's antithetical to spirituality. It it is a the second you're there, you've you've fallen from. Spirituality, and and many people, especially uh, Jews who live amongst Gentiles, um, you'll often hear them comparing themselves. Uh, meaning, meaning, you'll hear rabbis and rebbezens like they'll often include in their Devar Torah the distinction between them and the Jews and them and the Gentiles and stuff like that. And you know, I can understand why they might lend towards that because they're living amongst Gentiles, but. Uh, Can I ask you to, in the back, can bring your chair forward like 10 centimeters, please? Just 10 centimeters. I don't know if you know centimeters, but you already went about 30. Okay. Thank you. Okay. That's much better. All right. Um, So the main thing is, the main issue is identity theft. And that is that, that people are saying who God is. And meanwhile, whoever we say God is, God is not. Whoever we say God is, God is not. I'm um, turn the fan on low, please. Yeah. Thank you. I didn't know you know our system so well. Close the door, too. I actually don't. <laughs> yeah, you hear that? You hear that noise? Thank you. Is there a seat over there? He likes the inside. Yeah, let me look the wall. He likes the inside. I need Everyone, this is David. Jump, they, uh, thanks for the birthday. Birthday. My 96th birthday. Didn't you say happy birthday to me? I might have. Yeah. 96th. Everyone, this is, no. da- this is David. He kind of makes big entrances. but Cosma? How come? Hello. Okay. Stop, stop. stop. Okay. <laughs> He's my most veteran student. How, how long are you with me? I know we go how through How long? This, you tell me. I don't know. 15 years. 15 years? 12 years. 12 years. I don't know. 20 Good years. Lie. 20 years. Hold mm. on. Siri, Google? Stop. Stop. Okay. <laughs> no, since 99. <laughs> Stop. 99. Stop. 99. 99. Since 99. Yeah. 19 years? Yeah. It was like 2K. Jesus was coming and... Uh, never mind. Go. Jesus. Remember that? you were here in Oh, dude. I came because of white 2K. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> there were three guys Elliana V. It was really Y2K embarrassing. Says, they had signs. I don't know what was going but... on. You... Hey, what's up? Welcome. Uh you guys want here when she sit here, we got a table for two, right? Because my son's just switching over really. There you go. You wanna hear something crazy? Like my wife <laughs> don't my... Know what happened Nothing you, bro. You said a crazy story. That was between yeah, I'm us. Just... The, uh, in 1999 I was a rabbi at UCLA you just came in for a story in 1999 I was a rabbi at UCLA my wife and I were working there for like I mean I just left here and went there for like what was supposed to be a few years and <laughs> turned out to be a few months and uh, there was all these like Y2K scares of, like the whole world was going to like go into cataclysm oh wait, I, well, wait, wait, wait. Wait 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 anyway my wife and I really wanted to get out of the US for Y2K and, uh, and we actually, um, we were there doing outreach on campus. And we reached out to a guy who, um, in the end, his parents couldn't take it if he came to Israel. So he went to Morristown, New Jersey, to a Chabad yeshiva there. And they brought him to the Ohel of the Rebbe, where the previous Rebbe of Chabad was buried. And, and he was there, and he didn't know what to do for prayer. So he called my wife. He says, what do I pray for? She said, pray that we get back to Israel. And then, um, like, an, I don't know, it was like two hours later, I was in a meeting, like a major meeting at Tower, Los Angeles. And two hours later, they said to me, uh, Yom Tov, why don't you go get lunch and come back in an hour? I'm like, why should I get lunch alone? Like, we're not all getting lunch. And they're like, you go get lunch. <laughs> I come back an hour later, they said, well, we did a full, like, like, like helicopter perspective of La, and we realized that there's no budget for your program at UCLA. So, we're sending you back to Israel.
1: And, and then, so,
0: I just called my wife like three hours after she was on the phone with this kid. And, uh. So, you just came, got here then? What month did you get here? Because I got here in. I don't remember. That was uh, July I did a show. I don't I mean, remember. The, the as thing. soon as my daughter was born, I had, my wife was pregnant. Your dog so was born? My dog was mourned? My dog was mourned. Okay. So, I did your dog right. Yeah, as soon as okay. my dog was mourned properly. Born, born, mourned, mourned, so right Mourned. <laughs> So after the morning, we It's almost the same. <laughs> right. Would you stop? Stop, stop. Born. Okay, here we go. Back to our class. <laughs> There's no such thing as <laughs> a I heard more. Stop. <laughs> you gotta stop. You're making me crack up, and I'm trying to teach a class. <laughs> I'm still trying to remember the call. Would you stop? With the comment, remember? Haley's comment and right, the that, like that group? Remember? Just stop, just stop. You, you, d- d- you the next time you're gonna speak, you have to breathe instead. I know. I'm a fly on the wall. Um, so what I'd like to say is what I was just saying was that anything you think God is, and by the way, all of you think God is something, because I mean, how can you not? Your brain always conceptualizes everything. So you can you're always gonna think God is something. So anything you think God is he's not meaning you're wrong <laughs> whoever you think God is you're wrong he's not that now he may include that but he's an infinite being and you notice I'm calling him he that's also weird like why am I calling an infinite being he you know does God does God have genitalia obviously not you know if he did it'd be really scary <laughs> Just ask Mary. Now, the, the creator of the universe is, is nothing that we could ever conceptualize. So whatever we would conceptualize would not be God automatically. And that's why we have a name for God that we say in every blessing that represents the God who we cannot conceptualize. And that's the word Atah. And the word ata means you. And we use it for you too. You too, and you too, and you too. We use the word you. Even when I use the word you, what am I really saying? You know, I know you would think I was referring to you. Like, would you want some water or something? (laughs) I know there's a you there. But what is that you? I mean, how, how, if I like had a keyboard now and you're like trying to explain who you are, at what point would I be done typing it all out? But I can just say you and you get it. You understand, I'm asking you if you'd like some water. So it's like, oh, all of that essence that you are. In other words, the word you is essence and God does have essence. There's an essence to God that's unknowable. It's uh, inconceivable. And so we have a word that's, that's beyond conception and that's the word atah. It's considered the holiest name of all the blessing. You know, in the blessing we call God four things. We call him you. We call him Hashem, we call him Elokeinu, and we call him Melech. Those are the four things we call God in a blessing. But the one that's the holiest of all is the you one, because it's the only one that speaks to essence. <coughs> yes? So that's the holiest one, and why can't we say, um, like Hashem is you know it? Why can't we say that one out loud, because there is you so holy. Holy sense, like, you every sentence. That's a great mm-hmm. sentence. That's a great question. I like this question. So um, the reason is is because the names of God are, which are all verbs. I meaning they're all action verbs. Mm-hmm. All names of God are are active. They're just all the names that we know of God in Hebrew, which are these Kabbalistic names, are more of a, are how God interacts with creation. So Yudin and Hayin Vavin and Hayin is a certain interaction, and Elohim is another interaction. And Shindalid Yud, which is on the doorpost, is a totally different interaction with creation. So we're really careful with those things because these are the channels that are that are you know creating our station, and so we're we're super careful with with mentioning those names. But the but God in His essence and you in your essence is the relationship. That's the relationship. So your relationship with God is not really with Yud and He and Vav and He. It's with the Atah. You understand? There, when you hear a Kabbalist make a blessing, usually the word Atah is the longest of all the words. Maybe first he's deconstructing whatever he thought God was, and then, and then he's just letting himself kind of, letting his own essence relate to God. I mean, think about the word Atah altogether. The word "atah" is first person, second person, or third person. Which one? Second person. second person. Is that respectful, second person? Calling God you? Not really. It's not very respectful. And uh, you'll notice in certain languages, like Spanish, for example, there's a separate name for you when it's respect. But in Hebrew, we call God you in the second person. And the reason why we do that is because... Because the word Baruch is the humbling word. That's the humble word, the word Baruch. First of all, it means knees. Baruch is the word bara, which causes you to, like, it causes your stature to humble. Look at my height here. When I use my knees, Baruch, so it takes me down to this height. So it's like lowered the, the stature, lowers the ego. And when the ego goes down, the, when the body's down, the soul's up. And when the soul's up, well, the soul has an essence, that's totally connected to God. So you and God are contemporaries, and that's why you can call God in the second person. It's like two judges playing tennis. They don't say, would your honor serve? When two judges play tennis, they say, would you serve? They speak to each other in second person because they are contemporaries. And so, too, someone who has said the word Baruch is now open to the word Atah. They are now able to call God in that essential term, but a term that's second person, which makes you like a contemporary of God. Need another cup? Share with Moishi. Okay? Now, any conception you have of God is automatically wrong, but also, it's not, I'm not here to like make you wrong at all. Whatever your conception of God is amongst the multiple aspects of how God is relating to our creation. So if you have a concept of God as scary, well, there's plenty of scary there. There's plenty of scary. And if you have an aspect of God that's love, well, there's a ton of love. I mean, there's more love than scary. I I walked around with a group of people who thought of God as scary. And I took them, uh, I gave each one of them a notepad and a pen and we walked around the old city for a half hour. And they had to mark everything negative and everything positive. And so what happened in the end was they got lots of negatives. Sorry, they got lots of positives and very few negatives. Negatives were like, I saw a cigarette butt. You know, I mean, I saw someone toss a cigarette butt. I I saw a Coke can on the side of a garbage can instead of in the garbage can. Like they were like, there was a bit of a crowded street. So it was harder for us to get through because there was a tour group. But they had like this really long list of like the feeling of the sun and the and a bougainvillea that was climbing down one of the old city walls oh, and the uh, and the you know the just all kinds of blessings that were happening all around. So when we get aware of all of this, we sense God's love. But God has both scary and and loving going on at the same time. Penchant. And if you think about your own relationships in your life, everything's fear and love everything's fear and love your parents it's fear and love you love your parents you fear doing anything to mess up the relationship if you have a significant other you f- you love them and you fear messing it up there's never a time you're not in some kind of relationship with love and fear like i love mountain biking but i'm afraid to fall off my bike in a major way so that kept me that kept my ride that i just took under you know under control because of love and fear. I dro- I also had to drive to the beach and drive back. There was a lot of love and fear there. Yeah, love and fear of yourself. There was love and fear. Love and fear of yourself. That's an interesting question. I don't know about love and fear. Well, Think about it. Of course. We'll Maybe I fear being crazy. I fear being crazy. He had a whole thing at, on Manny Berger's class about that. Uh-huh. La- and la- crazy land on the and George is a good story about it. <laughs> okay. Now, um... But what, I, what I'd like to share with you all is how, how little we know, and that is uh, how little we know about God. So I'd like you to just say the word as a group. If you don't mind, everyone as a group, just say the word nothing. Ready? One, two, three. Nothing. Okay, again, nothing. One more time, nothing. Okay, you got to remember the word nothing for this. Now what I'm going to do is give you a four-second proof of God and uh, many of you heard this before but it's like only takes four seconds so i apologize for repeating it but uh for those of you who have never heard the four second proof of god it might be interesting for you and i'm not here to prove god's existence I, what i want to deal with is after we do the proof is to understand how little we know about god okay so here's the four second proof of god um oh one more thing is if you had nothing inside this room, like we completely emptied the room and hermetically sealed it so there wouldn't even be dust here, nothing. No tables, no chairs, no books, no people, no nothing. And we completely emptied it out, boarded up the room and guarded it to make sure nothing ever got in the room. What would be in the room after a year? Cats. What would be in the room after... No, I said we hermetically sealed it. There will be no dust. What would be in the room after a year? Nothing. Your job was to say nothing. That's why I got you prepared to say What would be in the room? Nothing. Two years nothing. a thousand years. Nothing. nothing. As long as we protect the room from anything getting in it, n- it'll have nothing in it. And why is that? because what does nothing make? Nothing. nothing since there's nothing in the room there will never be anything in the room because nothing makes. Nothing. why don't you try that? nothing makes nothing. nothing. Okay, here's the four second proof. So it goes like this, very simple. Before there was something, there was nothing. And since nothing makes nothing, and now that there's something, it must be that nothing was God. Okay, listen again. Before there was something, there was nothing. And since nothing makes nothing, and now that there's something, it must be the nothing was God. Gotcha. Now, what does that make God? Nothing. Exactly. Now, does that sound... sound God being nothing, or, a, I mean, he's not nothing, but he's a lack of thing. I mean, he's not made of anything. He makes things, but he's not made of things. He makes things that have beginning and end, but he has no beginning and end. Meaning that childhood question of who made God is not a question. Once you understand even a little bit of Kabbalistic understanding of God, which is that he's nothing, you automatically no longer have a question of who made God. Because something that gets made has to have not existed previ- previously. You understand? To m- when you make something it has to have previously not existed <laughs> so we're talking about something that's not inside <coughs> time so there's not a time issue here this is not something within time it created time it creates time and the truth is it doesn't even create time because it only creates now because n- tomorrow's nowhere in the realm of creation as you know I mean everyone knows tomorrow's not in the realm of creation and yesterday's also not well, neither is an hour from now or an hour ago or a minute from now or a minute ago. So God's actually not creating time. Time's a psychological phenomenon. <laughs> and a pretty nasty one at that. Well, I I You're asking me? <laughs> I'm not a... Wait till my beard gets longer. You know? I don't know how there's constantly a now. But that's the way it works. Time is a psychological reality. What's cool about time is the zodiac. What's cool about time is its constant shifting. Like all of a sudden, you hold four vegetations and they go cosmic for a week. Hold them a week later, it's just meaningless. You know, like, you know, you know for a week straight in time that doesn't even exist. But for some reason, the zodiac cycle, sitting under thatched huts for a week straight, gives you a mitzvah. It's like the weekends and it's not a mitzvah, and it doesn't do anything. nothing zero. So it's like, figure that out. Like there's no such thing as time except for our for our own psychology's experience of time. And meanwhile, time is everything. Time is everything. like like my son and I, and I don't know who else in this room will be, Saying a certain prayer before sundown, called Mincha, because there's a there's these cycles going on. So there's an energy with a window open for a certain kind of prayer, called Mincha. And then when the three stars come out, there will be another window opening for Shema to say Shema. And the rabbis even added a prayer there as well for a certain opening there. So when the stars and constellation is like a computer code, and that that directs a lot depending upon that the use. we're moving we're moving 100% to that that's what we move to so you just dial that in and then everything else kind of just flows from that but we're always but it's always this moment no it was last well, it was it was probably, moment It's always it this it moment we're constantly we're constantly in this moment but we all live in psychological time for the most part we're always You know. I mean think about it how could you walk down the street without without anticipating you know the next steps based on every step you've taken in the past. So you're not... You understand, you're always calculating based on the past. So you're everywhere, but... And that's why meditation is so important. That's why, you know, all the Kabbalistic Jews throughout history were deep into meditation because what's Kabbalah? Kabbalah is really the study of reality and reality is there's no time. And therefore, I do want to spend some time meditating every day, so at least... I'm not caught in psychological time all day. There's a lot of anticipating. A lot of anticipating. Like, when I'm teaching here and you guys are sitting, I don't have to anticipate much. I never know what I'm saying anyway. And and you're, you know, I'm just in stream of consciousness, so I'm cool. And you guys are cool. Because you don't have to anticipate anything. I, yeah, as long as you're balanced on your chair, you're not going to fall off. My knee is killing me, Doc. I'm sorry about your knee. You okay, gotta re- I got to do surgery again. I got surgery last Let's minute. not discuss it right now. I didn't bring it up. Yeah, I did. Yeah, you did. <laughs> Don't start again. <laughs> anyway, so so that's why meditation is is, you know, all of us, none of us have an excuse not to be meditating at least a bit uh, per day. And it could be it could be a few minutes, but at least you tapped into your life outside your psychological, you know, the psychological bondage of, of, you know, psychological time, which is that anticipatory based on the past calculating that we're always doing, which, unfortunately, is the source of anxiety. I mean, think about what's anxiety. Anxiety is I'm anticipating stuff I don't want to deal with based on past experiences. So the source of anxiety is psychological time. And that's why people involved in meditation tend to be, you know, with a higher level of tranquility when, you know, they're much more at peace than you are. You know, all the more is so reason why you should be definitely meditating at least five to ten minutes each day so you're out of psychological time, so you can tap into reality. And then uh, from reality, you can uh, be more chill when it comes to anticipating the, what might be coming next. Got it? Okay. Um... So anyway, where did that leave us, though, with God? It left us with in in a place where... Shalom uh, Aleichem. Let's see, how are we doing? I feel like someone got up at one point. Who got up? Probably me. Oh. Uh, <coughs> this person looks like he could sit right here. You want to sit right here? Well, you should go grab a chair for this nice lady, okay? Or grab yourself a chair. like sit? I, I also like to see people. Thank you very much. Well, uh, anyway, so where where we find ourselves is with a God that lacks all definition. You understand? That's now we're at a god that lacks all definition. Now, any definition you may give will always be how God's relating to us in creation. So, all definition of God is how God's relating, but it's not who God is. We have no idea who God is. No idea. We know what God wants. We know how God relates. We can just extrapolate it. You know, our rabbis taught us that the that even if there was no Torah, you could extrapolate so much just from the from the creation itself. About God. You could say God likes atheists a lot. You know why? Because atheists think God is nothing. Meaning, all the religious people who have, like, said who God is. And God's dealing with identity theft, you know, at all times. Someone stole God's Facebook account. And at least the atheists, they're, like, as close as you can get. I've had many atheists come up to me after my four-second proof of God. By the way, that was from the Rambam, the four-second proof of God. So Rambam. Before there was something, there was nothing, since nothing makes nothing. And now that there's something, it must be that nothing was God. So that proof from the Rambam I've had many atheists say to me after that they've said to me you know that's a God I can believe in I always thought God was nothing <laughs> <coughs> and so meanwhile in a more atheistic world especially when you c- goes to academia media um Left-wing politics and stuff, where where they're kind of like not into God, though plenty of individuals are. But they're kind of the non-God camp. So I, I really get tired of watching like YouTube interviews where it'll be some Jew trying to defend Judaism and just completely botch it because. It's like how? How does he botch it? Well, uh, the, 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 um, the guy with the atheistic perspective might bring up passages in Torah which are just like, they really look bad. You know, and he's saying like if a divine being wrote this book, it should not require editing. But boy, does it need editing. You know, there's some radical stuff in there. And what happens is the Jew or the Christian or the Muslim who like are trying to defend it against this like super brilliant intellectual atheist generally botch it. They generally botch it. They don't know how to answer that question. I just heard another one uh, by... Uh, who's that famous atheist? The young guy? Uh, Sam. Sam Harris, yeah. Sam Harris, who's a brilliant guy. and His was like, if the divine had a chance to send a message like he should have sent something a little more profound you know like than than what's in the Bible and and the guy didn't know how to answer that the guy he was talking to and this is watched by millions of people he didn't know how to answer that and what is the obvious answer? what what would be the obvious answer? oh thank you so much what would be the obvious answer is that nothing you read in Torah is what it means that every single thing you read in the Torah is a hyperlink you have to click on it it takes you to another website brings you into the depths of the depths of the depths of the depths of the deepest secrets in creation yes on surface value it looks really bad you got slave trade going on in there you've got you've got uh, the vilification of uh, of uh, you know uh, certain uh prohibitions of intimate relationships and stuff. I mean, it just looks bad. Stone them. Stone them. <laughs> gotta, stop. Totally you gotta stop. You gotta stop. You gotta yeah, stop. Yeah, I gotta, I this get, thing's watched by like 10,000 people I, I did, I did. I know, but you don't understand. It's not like they see you. All they hear is like I'll, I'll it. watch it. I'll watch and then I'll get their perspective. I'll watch it. Okay, well, you gotta take a deep breath and relax. Okay. I'm Relax. Gonna you relax. a little bit. We can't... That, why do I say a deep breath? Because you can't speak without a breath. But if you remind yourself that you're just breathing without speaking, you're just... And you know what you need is a pen. You need to write it down. And write down the question or put in your notes. He's been my student for like 19 years But? But? We've been friends longer. Have we? <laughs> I don't remember so well. Okay. You yeah, you just got got here from California, man, in 99. <laughs> <laughs> we you were still with long hair, board shorts. <laughs> <Boy> shorts. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I actually came here in 91. You and I came here in 99 when I came back from UCLA. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it's such a simple answer it's just such a simple answer, is that the depths are way beyond what's being presented. And no Jew should ever be embarrassed about what's written in the Torah. And if anything, you'll see, like, for example, and not only that, on the surface it can be discussed. Like, if you want to discuss slave trade, on the surface, it's, it's also not a difficult thing to discuss. Not to mention the fact that people who don't own their own handiwork... Which are called slaves meaning they don't own their own handiwork they have a master you all think like that's the worst thing that ever happened but but I think a lot of you like any of you go to university any anyone here spend four years answering you know basically just not taking care of anything okay two of you only two of you but you remember those years, like, not taking care of really anything for, like, four years straight? Unless you studied, but a lot of people were partying in school. And, like, okay, you got to take care of your grades, but that's about it. But otherwise, you were just being, like, coddled by society. They created this four-year fiction where you get to pretend you're somebody for four years. What is that somebody? That somebody is you're a university student. <laughs> you know, of course, they, they charge you a fortune in loans and give you a fake identity. For four years straight and drop you like a hot potato. And now you're twenty two and or twenty three and you have no idea who you are or what you're doing. And and, and all they're waiting for is their money back. Now the banks want their money. It's like a major racket there. And anyway, but if you remember, do you remember that feeling of like you were there, you did this? Yes. Yeah, I went to UCSB. You can study Buzz in okay? Santa Barbara, California. Okay, and uh, I remember that feeling of answering. You know, I just just doing whatever you want all the time, and and um, now does that sound like a slave doing whatever you want all the time and answering to nobody? Mm, it kind of is, kind of is, because when you're when you have a master. He's in charge of everything. It's a massive responsibility. He's in charge of your bedding, mean your housing. He's in charge of your food. If you're married, he's in charge of your food, your wife's food, your children's food. He has to totally take care of you. He has to feed you before he feeds himself or his family. He's not allowed to work you on Shabbat or holidays, meaning, meaning he's not allowed to send you out to do something. On the Sabbath, you're not allowed to work. On the 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 servant is not allowed to work on that day. Meaning, you are totally taken care of. You're coddled. Do you have to work? Yeah, you got to work. I'm gonna ask all you guys. Do you all have to work? Yeah. You all have to work. Anyone taking care of you? Yeah. Okay. Maybe, but that feeling of being taken care of, that you don't have to worry about where your next meal's coming from, is a certain pleasure that servants were happy about. And so we all like to see slaves like, you know, we immediately think of like the American slave trade, which was nasty, and all the other slave trade in the world, which was nasty. But the best job a Jew could ever have in Israel, meaning if you're choosing between kibbutz and being someone's slave, would be a slave. Kibbutz doesn't owe you anything. And yeah, they have to feed you, they house you, but there's there's so many rules in what it is to take care of a servant not to mention the fact that in judaism in order to be a servant of somebody in judaism you have to the, the servant has to convert to judaism so you're teaching that and he he keeps all of the laws of all of the non time bound laws and if you free your slave, which people often did, because now it's, it's like a fellow Jew, he's converted. He's not 100% Jewish, but he's mostly converted. And if you free him, he's now 100% converted. He converts fully to Judaism. Not all of them wanted that. Not of them all wanted that. They were happy being taken care of. Anyway, but I'm just giving you an example of where these are discussions that could be had, but they have to be had properly. And and otherwise, the, the, we're being made made into fools online in these you know massive long format you know intellectual dark web uh, programmings that are going on. So it's my dream is to get onto some of these shows. I want to I want to get onto Joe Rogan and and uh, you know in a way I'm kind of Joe Rogan turned Jewish you know he's also Jewish but but like yeah I think Joe Rogan's Jewish but I I became uh, observant you know but I share his background in a major way you know I got a lot less tattoos than he does so you're saying you have a tattoo I have none actually okay that <laughs> that was a rule in my house my my father's from a Hasidic line of people and like there were certain things that you just can't do no matter how crazy our upbringing was there were some certain no's and one of those was a tattoo I love Joe Rogan I, he, yeah you're I'm into Joe Rogan he's great okay um, he's a pagan actually. okay now he's a pagan no he's a Wiccan is he really um, he's a um, okay I want to qu- ask I want to hear questions <coughs> from any of you questions 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 yeah um, or I don't know maybe it's a comment but um, I feel like the, the more appealing thing about if you're going to compare like between on a Kibbutz to um, being a slave or a servant, is that it's not really about the conditions. But if you're a slave, then somebody somebody owns you and somebody's above you. And on a kibbutz, it's the opposite, right? Nobody We're all equal. Everybody. everybody's so much the same. Right. Philosophically, philosophically, kibbutz is better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Philosophically, yeah. kibbutz is better. Conditions, being a servant would be better. I, I mean, yeah, if you had, like, what. Kibbutz, what's more important? It depends on the person. For me, kibbutz would be better. I'm a very philosophical person. I know a lot of people are not very philosophical, and they would much prefer to have some super wealthy landowner taking care of business for them. You understand? And just working, working his fields. They're both sitting in working fields, but one is highly taken care of, and one is part of the taking care of. In kibbutz, you're part of the taking care of, of everybody. We're all working together. So philosophically, I'd rather be a kibbutznik. But I know a lot of people would rather be a servant. They just don't care. That. <laughs> they just don't care that much, you know. You're obviously thinking in the higher realms. I, I feel like more people would like wouldn't want to be servants. I like, love being a servant. Actually. Yeah, I. <laughs> David, David, stop. No, I'm stop! 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 Go ahead. Mm-hmm. I agree with her. Shh. Go ahead. Um. We'll talk but, later. Okay. <laughs> 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 Good. <ahead. laughs> Even if people have the option to let's say like stay and live with their parents forever and like That's you know, their same thing. People you. still that prefer to like sure. leave and like be free and do it on their own. Even if it's not you know, I so but it's like all, everything's being taken care of. Therefore you're not free because somebody else is in charge of that. So Again, you're going into like meaning in life. On a meaning in life level, it's much better to be having no one taking care of you and you taking care of yourself and each other. That's gonna be a much more meaningful life. There are people who just don't care about that so much. They're jumping off bridges regularly, actually, because, because they do want meaning, but they don't know how to get there. And their lives go deeply meaningless while being coddled by society. And uh, I mentioned the four-year coddle as well. Um, I have yeah. a question. Ah, oh, my son Moshe. Yes, Moshe. Is there any connection between there not being actual time, just guys making everything on the moment, and time is actually only something that uh, somehow all the nows connect, and that's how we get time like for different mitzvahs to be just on certain times of the year? Is that connected at all to the slaves, not... Uh, not needing to do any laws that are connected to time. Oh, wow. We ain't got time for that, man. We ain't got time for that, man. <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> it's a YouTube video. There's, there's, it's funny. It, the barbecue. Nobody got time for that. I'll, I'll have the video. You. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I think I have to have a talk with him. <laughs> um, we're we're, we're going to end this class in a second, but my, my son asked if there was a connection to there being no time, uh, meaning that God's creating now. And then we've got the time bound positive commandments that women are exempt from, like to fill in is a time bound, it's a daytime commandment, so women are exempt from that. Um s- Slaves are exempt from time-bound positive commandments as well. So is there a connection? I, th- I don't know the connection for slaves. I know the connection for women. And, and that is that, um, that women have a, a built-in relationship to time. They have inside them their own biological clock. That's that's moving with the moon, with the months, with it's in, moving in sevens, and and it's uh, and time works in sevens, and because women are already connected like that, they're 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 kind of built in with with a a connection to time, they um, they are exempt from time bound commandments. There, that's a connection. It's not necessarily the answer why. There's there's other deeper levels of why. They're exempt from that. The servant. To me, just seems quite um, practical. I Meaning, I can't just start my day. I have to put on my tefillin. I have certain prayer requirements as a man that women don't necessarily have, and so I can't just start my day. So, whereas a servant starts his day working, you know, he start, he would start his day working. He can't come up with the tefillin excuse of like, "Oh, sorry, master, I got to put on my tefillin." so it could be it's a practical do you know the answer why why there's exempt from time bound positive m- slaves well, that reason, well. yeah is it? yeah we're pretty busy oh there would be also oh no maybe not well, uh, also the other reason is by a woman makes the brach shall so me as a woman is made exactly as a person is made to be a man that's to try and, Get there, but was there to start with. She doesn't need the time-based injections that a man needs in yeah. order to keep her close to God. Uh, because a man needs ongoing, ongoing stimulation to to allow him to, feel close to, to, to get God. there. And there's, there's also uh, just the 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 fact that God is the God, that God is causing. We didn't <coughs> touch on this, but God causing creation is masculine. All causality is masculine in mysticism, and all receiving. Causality is masculine, and all receiving is feminine. The word zahar also means to cause, and the word niqeva means to receive, and uh, female is to receive. So every single thing in all of creation is made of male and female. There's always causer and receiver, causer and receiver. In everything, like no matter what you look at, your chair is made of it. The table is made of it. This building's being held up by, by something holding another thing. Meaning everything's being surrounded by something. The window is masculine. The frame is feminine. The the entire creation is made this way. So God, who's causing creation, is called the mas in the masculine, and the creation's called in the feminine. So men who have who are m- <coughs> we're men. So we also want to assert. We also want to be the causer much more than the female. Now today obviously we're after 70 years of feminism so there's plenty of women who've been duped into being the causers. But you know, the, it's is it it's kind of interesting how they all around 30 when they reach partner in law firms they <coughs> suddenly drop out when they realize they've been completely ripped off and they're going to if they don't get out now they're going to they're going to lose everything. You know, based on the model that they got sucked into. The um, the the man is at odds with God because you have causer and receiver with females, but with man you have causer and causer. And the positive time-bound commandments for the man help him get to the female. And it's interesting that we wrap seven wraps. When we bind ourselves to God, we wrap seven wraps on the arm. Um, This class is over. The next class is Rabbi Aaron Neckermeyer. Rabbi Aaron Neckemeyer deals with the five, seven?
1: Whatever, it's all for Mr. How it's many, all many questions? Stay for the, how many stay many for
0: the questions? concert. How many anything questions? No, should go. Are, how many questions? Seven questions. The seven questions? Just like the raps on the arms it's still yeah. the and the same so, so anyway, it's one of towards the most popular classes. If you've never heard it before, you should hear it once for sure, because generally people who hear it once keep coming. And uh, it's also, uh, it's not recorded so that uh, absolutely anything can be said during that class and it's uh, something very special. If you need the washroom, take it, and the class is starting probably very soon. And- You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.